<laughs> There's a clock up there, and, and I see it. <laughs> so, but I want to I want to clarify a couple of things before I get into the text today. Um, so turn to Second Peter chapter one, and the the text I want to cover is, is verses sixteen through twenty one. But I want to clarify a couple of things. When I ended the message on on Sunday morning on June 26th, it seems that a few people left uh, thinking that I was unloving and didn't care about the struggles people go through at times of depression. We are instructed to speak the truth in love. And sometimes it may sound unloving, but that is certainly not my intention. And it reminds me of a verse in, in James, and I was, gonna, I was actually going to close with this verse on that day. Oops, oops, oops. And he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. We heard that this morning. Vince and I talk a lot. And I, I, I would hope that it seems like we're kind of growing on each other. Because he used this he used this, this morning too. But it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we, re- we shall receive a stricter judgment. And that is so true that if we don't rightly divide the word, if we don't give warning where warnings are spoken of, we're not doing our job. And we have, to, we have to make sure that we, we stick with the word. But he says, for we, shall, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word. Now you guys know me long enough. You know that I have a tendency. I, I suppose some of us can relate with Peter in his earlier life as a, as a disciple. More than more than other apostles, um, more and because he was always sticking his foot in his mouth, you know. But James says, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. He is able to bridle the whole body. So whenever I say things, and it's a good thing we have a loving church, because whenever I say things that might sound um, off the wall or, or uh, harsh, it's not my intention. It's just that I have a mind that is no, not like no other. Okay, so, so I just wanted to clarify that. And, and then another thing I need to clarify, it was mentioned to me that after I got done with that message... That if I'm going to put a title on a message, I should get to the verse that I'm using for the title. And that, <laughs> and that verse was Second Peter 1.10. And he says, Therefore, brethren, even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
Okay, so that's the verse I wanted to get to, but I didn't get to it. And uh, basically because I was worried about the time. So uh, just to clarify that. So it, it would be good to remember that First Peter was written with problems from the outside. The persecutions of believers, both Jews and Gentiles. Second Peter deals with problems on the inside. He says, faithful and living, the faithful, boy, I got an echo and a half up here. So Peter deals with problems from the inside, faithful, living in challenging times in the lesson Peter would have believers learn through this letter. Now, I was out mowing a couple weeks ago, and I was going through this in my mind, and I thought, you know, Peter, Second Peter talks about keeping a close watch on our heart and, and our living and I thought, you know, I got a song that went through my mind. And I thought, huh, you know that Johnny Cash inspirational song that, was, that he recorded back in 1956? I know you'll remember it if, you're, if you ever know anything about Johnny Cash. And that, that biblical song, it had to be inspired of the Lord. It was, I Walked the Line. And I, it goes like this. Now, that's not inspirational, but, but it fits. It says, I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. And I keep my eyes wide open all the time. Aren't we commanded to watch and pray? And guard your heart. I keep the ends out for the time that binds because you're mine. I walked the line. And I thought, huh, that kind of fits with what Peter's trying to say. Keep a close watch on your heart and the way that you live. And then I thought, that's kind of original, you know, original thought of mine. And then I was listening to one of my favorite preachers. And he was teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes and he used the same thing. And I thought, oh, man, now I, I can't say that. That was my idea. So, anyway, it's important to understand that Peter wants us to keep an eye, keep a close watch on our heart and the way that we are living. And so, what I'd like to do tonight is read this whole chapter so that we get the benefit and, and not lose where I left off last time. And so, if you'd open your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read uh, the 21 verses. And then I will recap a little bit of the message that, that uh, I preached earlier. So, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. 
as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which, we, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlast- into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. Excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice and came from heaven. We heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now I just want to recap from verses 1 to 15. Verse 1, the believers are reminded that they have obtained the like precious faith. A faith that is equal to that of, that the apostles had. And it can only be obtained by the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, Grace and peace can only be multiplied in the knowledge of God and, of, and Jesus our Lord. That is experiential knowledge. Now, we gain knowledge when we intellectually when we read. Is that right? When we read, we gain knowledge. 
How do we get experiential or experiential, however that word is pronounced, all you English majors out there? How do we get experiential knowledge from something? First of all, we have to have the intellect. And then, when we are tested with something, in this case, when we're, when we're te- our faith is tested in the person of Jesus Christ, we, we can know um, the exper- experiential knowledge because we trust him. We know that from intellectual intellect that we can trust him. And we have by experience the trust. And then that peace has comes to us through the trials that we have. Does that make sense? So grace and peace can only be multiplied in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Verses 3 through 11. The Christian's nature. The divine nature is the work of God in us to change our appetites from the worldly desires to have an appetite for the things of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man, if anyone is in Christ, is in Christ, he is a new creature. There is no guessing. There's no maybe. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When a person claims or professes to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and their life has never been changed, their appetite for sin has not changed, there's something wrong. Because God's word is true, and he says, if... Anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And so we grow in those things. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I forgot I had these slides. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Now the I used the illustration from the from this Pastor Gary Hamrick of of the seven layer cake. Do you remember that? In in verse five. If you turn back there, he says, but for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And so, as as we go to these things, the first five virtues... Pertain to one's inner life. The next two pertain to others. Brotherly kindness and love. A believer who is nearsighted or short-sighted. Is not looking very far and can only live in the present. 
and not see the future of living a godly life. Their focus is on self, and that is never a good thing. The old saying is still true today. Do I have that up there? Well, oh, something went wrong with the slides there, guys. That's okay. Just shut them off. The old saying is still true today. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And it spells out joy. You want joy? We've got to quit focusing on ourselves and focus on the one that cares. Believers grow at, a different, at different stages in their Christian walk. We are not all the same. We, we, are not, we do not grow all the same level of maturity in our faith. And sometimes we might find ourselves thinking we are more mature than we really are. And become judgmental about others who are not understanding the biblical instructions at the rate we think they should. But that's where we are instructed to teach with brotherly love, brotherly kindness, and love. You know, you, sometimes it gets irritating when people don't understand at the same level. You, you keep trying and trying and trying. But that's where we're tested in our patience, our endurance sometimes. So that's a recap of just a, of verses 1 through 15. So verses 16 through 18, I'm, I'm grouping these together. He says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. False teachers were making accusations that Peter and the other apostles were making up things. The apostles knew firsthand because they were with Jesus for three years. Chuck Swindoll has a note here. When false teachers begin to whisper their sweet words into the ears of immature Christians, the body of Christ begins to break apart to lose what it makes distinctive in the first place. Faith in the unique person and work of Jesus. Let me read that again. When false teachers begin to whisper their sweet words into the ears of immature Christians, the body of Christ begins to break apart, to lose what makes it distinctive in the first place, faith in the unique person and work of Jesus Christ. All throughout the book of Second Peter, 
He, Peter repeatedly points to the word of God as a primary means of growth for the Christian. We can reliably construct historical events from the testimony of eyewitnesses who must be checked for truthfulness. And the apostles and writers of the New Testament have been checked for centuries, have been found truthful. David Guzik. Peter's reference to him being an eyewitness along with James and John at the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember that. Pastor went through it a while back. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Let me remind you. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a, on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. How would that be if you're in a conversation and all of a sudden a voice comes out and and, uh, says, Hey, uh, I'm going to interrupt you here. (laughs) Peter wanted wanted to offer to make three tabernacles. And then... I just in my speculation, the Lord interrupted him. God the Father interrupted him. And he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So you see where they they were, the false teachers were saying this is not true. They're just making this stuff up. He is not saying that his eyewitness account makes the word more certain. He is saying that more certain than even his eyewitness account is the word. And in verse 19, he says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, That no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. No prophecy. Someone said there are over 300 prophecies in the scripture. 
that pertain to the coming of Jesus. He says, how many of them are of any private interpretation? Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. He says, which prophecies? All of them, but specifically the prophecies which foretold of Jesus Christ. He says, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for good work. No prophecy came by the will of man. But holy men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Inspiration. How would you explain inspiration? It, the word is God breathed. We know that. But how would you explain it? I have one. Inspiration means that God so directed the human writers of Scripture that using their personalities and literary styles, his complete revelation for mankind was recorded. Does that make sense? Not as a robot. Not as somebody in a trance. But they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down. We see... if. You know, John MacArthur had a book, uh, the the Twelve Disciples. Is that the name of it? The Twelve Twelve Men, or something like that. And each one of them showed their different personalities, and and what they were what they were noted for. And uh, God didn't take away their personalities when He inspired the writers of the Scriptures. He didn't take away their education as, a, as just somebody who was a robot. And so, inspiration means that God so directed the human writers of Scripture that using their personalities and literary styles, his complete revelation for mankind was recorded. Going through Second Peter... has been a, a, a great journey for me. I told Vince, I'm doing chapter one. He did chapter two. Somebody's got to do chapter three. We've got to get it all together. And, uh, and again, I would, I would suggest, as uh, Murray suggested to his doctor friend, take Second Peter... Read all three chapters. Maybe you don't have to do it 12 times a day. But read it all three chapters at once. A few times anyway. And uh, 
you will grow closer to having more knowledge of Scripture, more knowledge of how the Lord works and what is our responsibility. The conviction for me is that there's a judgment coming. And I am concerned about our young people. But I'm concerned about people, of course, almost everybody here is younger than me right now. Um, But I'm concerned about people who are not knowledgeable and, and are not in the word, learning, getting educated. And I... There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of things going on out in the world. And people need to hear the gospel. People need to hear that Jesus died for them. That he shed that precious blood so that they could have forgiveness of sin. And have a life that is worth living for him, not for themselves. So many false teachers. I appreciate the message this morning. And I think that we just need to really look at what we are doing, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we keeping a close watch on our heart? Are we keeping a close watch on the way that we live? If we're just reckless, we're not ever going to have any peace. We're not ever going to have any joy. And we're not ever going to have a real good relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need that. So I would suggest, let's pray for each other. But we have to diligently apply what we learn but in order to apply what we learn we have to learn it we have to have intellectual knowledge we have to have experiential knowledge and whatever we do he says let us do for the glory of God All right, if you'll stand and sing with me for the closing song. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ.